This is Bless You Boys Podcast 100 with Al Beaton, Kurt Menching, and Hookslide, recorded Friday, December 20th, 2013. Christmas can eat it. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. Swing, get Editorial staff of BlessYouBoys.com, SB Nation's Detroit Tigers blog. When we're up, we get to discuss the last few weeks of Detroit Tigers baseball. Uh, yours is your host, Al Beaton, co-managing editor of BlessYouBoys.com. Have the usual gang of idiots with us this week. Uh, first off is, uh, I, I guess I can call you uh, thing number one, and that would be Hookslide. How's things in the west side of the state, Hookslide? Uh, I'm sorry. Thing number one and an idiot. I, I think we're done. All I right. think we are done here. <laughs> the West Side is is all right, and uh, a Merry Christmas to everyone who's listening. That's right. Uh, we're recording this just a few days before the holiday on the 20th of December. And also joining us on this holiday uh, podcast, uh, birthday celebration, and also a landmark podcast. We'll get into all that in a little bit. Is thing number two, and that is Kurt Menching, who is king of the UP. How's things, Mr. Menching? Well, first off, a happy Boxing Day to everybody. Ah, yes, we got yeah for our Canuck friends. Of well, course. you know we're nearly Canadian up here, so I felt it was my duty. Oh, yeah, and you know, and you know, I am south of Canada here in uh, you know in uh, uh, in southeast Michigan here. So yes, we're all we're all a little bit Canadian when we live in Michigan. So and of course, uh, I should say that Kurt is also a columnist for the Detroit News, co-managing editor of Bless You Boys, and he. Uh, and we think he's the problem why Espionation uh, was down because he stepped on a cord. So <laughs> you can't do that. You have to yeah. you can't kink, kink those things because the data freezes. You have to release the cord. You know, I had the coffee cup too close to the servers, and oh, geez, I don't know how I have a job. Yeah, but we apologize for uh, the issues we've had in the site. They seem to have been taken care of by the powers that be at Espionation. So hopefully, everything's taken care of that way. A couple things before we get going. Uh, you want to reach us with your thoughts and questions, bybpodcast at gmail.com, bybtigers at gmail.com. We're also on the Twitter, at Bless You Boys, and we're on the Facebook, facebook.com slash bybtigers. All right, uh, we've got lots going on. Well, not so much with the Tigers, but there's a lot going on with everybody because we're at, it's almost Christmas. We have a birthday coming up, and also it's a milestone podcast, guys. This is podcast number 100 for bless you boys. And, uh, yeah, so if you, I'm the only one who's done all 100. The rest of you guys just kind of come and go as you please. But, <laughs> but I, I gotta say, it's a heck of a accomplishment for the site. We've, this has become a regular feature for the site and we appreciate everybody who's listening because we do have quite a few listeners. We are at least in the teens. So we're doing pretty well. So, all right. With that, let's, um, well, let's talk baseball or something. Oh, and first off, uh, uh, Kurt, how old are you going to be? Because this birthday we're talking about, everybody, is Mr. Menchie. Too old. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, you're not. I'm older than you. 
Uh, don't you hate it when us youngins say shit like that? Oh, damn kidding. <laughs> well, 30, 30, 35. It's a, it's a nice round number, 35. Right. We'll figure out how to celebrate uh, Kurt's birthday a little later in the podcast. I recommend everyone send me $10 for each year old I am. Uh, how about a penny? Penny. That, uh, what the heck am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> Spend them. On what? Nothing. Cost. <laughs> 35 cents? You can't even park for that anymore. Okay, here we go. <laughs> He's getting all He's all wound up here. Yeah, you, sound, you sound a lot older than, than you're claiming to be. <laughs> to Get you. off my snow. Like, you damn kids and your pay phones. Yeah. All right, before Kurt goes off on a rant about uh, kids in his yard, let's move on to the Detroit Tigers. Since the winter meetings ended and our our, our, our fiesta of, of live podcaster it's been very little the report going on with the Tigers, guys. It's been, it's been a couple of rumors that we should at least touch on, even though I think we all agree they're pretty much ridiculous. And um, the first one is there's a, there was a rumor going around that Austin Jackson uh, and a Brett Gardner trade was discussed at the Yankees. And I don't know about you, Kurt, but this really doesn't seem like it makes sense for anybody involved because Jackson's a better player than Gardner, and, and the Yankees don't need outfielders. They just uh, inked a shit ton during free agency. So would any talk of this just be salary dump, or is this just one of those, let's do our due diligence and see what it would take to get Gardner? I, I, I don't know. I think after they traded Doug Fister, people believe they're going to do anything. Yeah. They're, they're, it didn't make sense, and I didn't buy it for a second. How about you, Hookside? Uh, do you buy anything into the Brett Gardner rumor? No, not unless Dave Dombrowski is just really, really bored, in which case I expect that he would be sitting in his office trading with himself. Like, I'm going to trade Max Scherzer for Justin Verlander. Yes, it's brilliant. Otherwise, what's what's the point? Austin Jackson, Brett Gardner, 6-1, after those and the other, you know, slight advantage, Jackson. And like you said, the Yankees have as many outfielders as they could possibly need. So what what is the point? Yeah, well, let me ask you this. You think, uh, you think Dave Dabrowski likes to troll the media? You know, you think he's in there pulling strings like a puppet master? Uh, be careful how I answer that. You might be listening. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah, well, you might start pulling our strings. You never know. No, it, the thing is, is it that Dombrowski is out trolling, or is this just unsubstantiated rumors? You know, you don't know where this stuff even originates. Yeah, yeah. It could have been a couple of drunk guys in, the, in a bar at the winter meetings, for all we know. So, Or conducting podcasts during yes. the winter meetings. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. For this other rumor to be true, they, they, they were more than drunk. They were a little hammered. We talked about it during the winter meetings, but it popped up again after the meetings, and that was the Tigers still have a supposed interest in free agent starting pitcher Irvin Santana. This rumor felt like nonsense during the meetings and still feels like nonsense today, Kurt. Uh, the Tigers don't really have any serious interest in a starting pitcher, but the the one uh, scenario that made sense is what, what Tony Paul put out there saying, the Tigers found out how much Max Scherzer wants in an extension, and the Tigers essentially crapped their pants and started looking at pitching. Um, well, I, I mean, for one, I, I, I agree with some of what Tony said, but uh, the part two is that this is a, a pretty smart front office. Mm-hmm. I can't picture them being surprised by the outrageous number that Scherzer and uh, Scott Boris are asking for. I mean. Everyone knows. Fans know. You know. I know. Hookslide knows. Everyone knows that Scherzer is going to ask for a freaking fortune. Uh, so this should not surprise them. They shouldn't be crapping their pants over it. 
Hookslide, uh, what do you think of this Santana rumor? I mean, Santana's not a bad pitcher per se, uh, but the money being talked about with uh, pretty much a, a, an above average major league pitcher, they're, they're talking uh, essentially Annabelle Sanchez money for Santana, and that's I don't think you're going to be saving that much money over Max Scherzer. No, no and none of it really, you know, makes sense. And even if, you know, let's say that Max Scherzer came out and demanded just, you know, a godly amount of money, and it really did actually take the front office by surprise, and they couldn't, you know, it, why wouldn't you still hold on to him for the yeah. you know, remaining year of the contract? Why, why would you ditch him for, for Santana at that point? It doesn't make sense. Exactly. This is a team that still feels like they can win. Uh, the division can compete for the World Series. And realistically, yeah, this team should still be considered a favorite in the Central. So the, that would change quite a bit if you swap out for some reason, God forbid, uh, Scherzer for Santana. So, and yeah. maybe that's it. We've heard a lot of, you know, theories about why Dave Dombrowski has been dealing the way he has, mm-hmm. you know, in this offseason. And maybe that's it. Maybe he's just trying to give the team a challenge. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, we're going to get rid of guys and bring, you know, yeah, people like Lombardozzi in. Let's just see if we can if we can still compete. You know? Yeah, he's trolling the rest of the Central Division. That's what he's doing. <laughs> right, who knows what Dave Dombrowski's thinking? But I'll put it this way: neither of these uh, rumors make any sense. Uh, if they come true, well, I think that's a very very see. That's how that's how weird they are. Is that I can't put them into words. That's how stupid these rumors are. So let's move on. And uh, I guess we should touch on, uh, as I put these in the notes, they are worthy of note, but are they worthy of discussion? And that is Louis Marte and Danny Worf cleared waivers, and they are, were assigned to Toledo. Actually, Worf was removed from the 40-man roster just recently in order to make room for uh, Rajai Davis. And this was a little more interesting, guys, that the Tigers signed left-hander Dwayne Below to a minor league contract, who... Uh, the ex-Tiger who is now coming back to the team, and he has shown promise in the past. And You know, this is the kind of guy I think guys were – they might catch fire in a bottle when it comes to looking for a left-handed pitcher. So if anything, uh, Kurt, uh, the below move, I guess, should be at least a little more no, uh, newsworthy. Well, yeah, that's that's just the kind of smart moves you, you have to make. And, you know, teams always – hey, Brian Wilson had a minor league contract, and, mm-hmm. and look how that turned out. I mean, you know – Dwayne Below is no Brian Wilson, but yeah, I'm just saying that you, you build a build a bullpen by doing these kinds of uh, low risk things, and and sometimes they turn out and 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 it works. So yeah. maybe it will, maybe it won't, but it's it's the right kind of move to make. Yeah, yeah, I, I keep bringing up Al Albuquerque. He was the exact same kind of signing. And Lisa Tigers are familiar with Below and know what he can do. Let me just ask you about Danny Worth hook slide. Uh, I guess it's worthwhile keeping this guy around, but. Uh, it looks like his time has passed, though, when it comes to any real chance of being a Detroit Tiger person that can win amount of time. Who's Danny Worth? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, have we ever, you know, even seen enough of this guy to make any kind of, you know, yeah, I, I, I think you're probably right. I think his time has passed. How old is he now? Uh, he's got to be 27, 28 at this point. I thought he was pushing 30. So yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't, I don't see that happening. Yep, his time was a uh, actually his time should have been last year or the year before, but Ramon Santiago had that goofy contract and that pretty much blocked Worth. And now with the with Steve Lombardozzi, you know, he's still blocked. So unfortunately, Danny Worth looks like he'll be a Toledo mud hen for well for the <laughs> maybe for life at this point. Yeah. All right, let's uh, move on and let's kind of talk about 
uh, as kind of review what's gone on since the end of the season, guys. You know, kind of, since so there's not really a lot of other news to talk about, maybe we should just kind of look back at the last couple months and see if we can figure out what in the hell was going on, what was Dave Dombrowski thinking, and where this team stands right now. Because, as I've said over and over in this podcast, there's pretty much question marks over every damn position on this team that doesn't involve Miguel Cabrera. So, uh, let me ask you guys. I'll ask you right now, I'll start with you, Kurt. Are the Tigers a better or worse team now, as constructed, than the one that was just two games short of making it to the World Series? Well, I mean, I think they're worse. Uh, you know, you never knew, you never do know, though, but uh, just on paper, they're worse. You know, the, the rotation is a little bit worse. The bullpen is, it's a bullpen. Yeah. You know, the, the, obviously, there's more team speed. That's nice. There's more team defense. That's nice. But uh, I, I think, as, I, I, I just think you always have to value hitting over uh, speed and defense. And, and sure, they're better, but it's not going to be, big enough improvements in those areas to make up for losing a couple of solid bats, in, you know, in Prince Fielder and uh, Johnny Peralta. Let me ask you this, Kurt. Would you compare it to maybe the Tigers overcorrected a little much? You know, kind of like uh, when you're supposed to steer into a skid, well, maybe Dave Dabrowski steered into it too much, and now he's going to spin out. No, I don't think he had a choice. Ah. Uh, you know, I he wasn't going to be able to keep Johnny Peralta. You're going to be losing that fast. You know, you, Infante was pretty cheap for the Royals, but, you know, uh, he he did what he had to do. I mean, what choice were they going to have? They were going to have a worth-hitting shortstop, period, and he managed to get a shortstop who will be one of the best fielders we watch in this generation, more than likely. So I, I think, yeah, Iglesias won't hit, but he's going to be playing beautiful defense and tonight. I don't think it's an oversteer. I mean, he, he didn't really do all that much. Most mm-hmm. of the changes can come down to t- trading Chris Fielder, which Long-term health of the organization was the right move, and uh, and you know just working on things like bringing in Rajay Davis instead of a thumper to play in the corner. So you know it it, it wasn't an overcorrection at all. I, I think it just he did what worked and what was available on the market. Uh, looks like what's your take on the Tigers as now constructed? Is this a better or worse team, or or would you would you say they are capable of pretty much reproducing what this team did last year? Win loss lies, but just in a different way. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's a left hand and right hand thing. What the right hand gives, left hand takes away. And mm-hmm. It's just up up and down the line. You can look and say, um, you know, just like Kurt said, I, I don't really see how they could have done it any differently. I guess, um, you know, getting out of the Prince Fielder contract was a good thing. Um, losing Johnny Peralta, maybe not so good. Uh, losing Fielder, trading him for Kinsler puts Infante out of the picture. So, you know, either way you steer this, you're without Fielder, Infante, and Peralta, and that's a big hit to the offense. No way around it. I, I can't think of a single thing that Dombrowski could have done differently, you know, to stop that from happening. And then he could turn around and say, well, then he should have, you know, made a huge upgrade in left field and gone after uh, my, my good friend, Shinsu Chu. Yes. Um, but that's not going to really, I mean, <laughs> why, why trade off the, the Fielder contract just to get the Chu contract? So, yeah, um, like Kurt said, they're they're definitely worse on paper, and I have some concerns about maybe team chemistry. Uh, it's a lot of new guys. I still think they're going to end up taking this, the central division, though. Any team that's got Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Miguel Cabrera, uh, you know, it still has you know, you put those three together, you got pretty much three superstars. Let alone you have the best starting rotation. Uh, at least arguably, still, even with Bruce Smiley in there instead of Doug Fister in baseball. Yeah. 
And the fact that there are still, you know, Ian Kinsler is, you could make the argument he's a better player than Omar Infante. Yes, there's going to be a downgraded shortstop, obviously. But, you know, that one, I think that that ship sailed when Biogenesis went down anyway. So between right. that and the cost it was going to take to keep Peralta, he was gone. The Tigers really do need needed to see finally decide if Nick Castellanos is the man. So it makes perfect sense. Go, let's put him at third base. Let's run with it. If he's the player they think he is, they will be. You know, that'll be a huge plus for the Tigers, and it'll help do a great deal of kind of helping with filling in the uh, Prince Fielder uh, offense. So, and I really like the idea of the Tigers going to a platoon, and that's something baseball got away from. They need, really need to get back from because, you know, that left field platoon, that can be very, very productive. And I wish four teams would start looking into that. Uh, you know, if, if you put guys in the position to succeed by putting them against pitchers they can hit, you should get a lot of offense out of left field. So I like how this team has been kind of put back together. I do have concerns like uh, Cookside said. We really don't know how it's going to mix, how this is going to meld, let alone there's the Brad Ausmus question, but this is a team that should still win in the 90-game range if you just look at the pitching of Miguel Cabrera. I, I guess my biggest fear is that this team gets off to a slow start and everybody panics. That's, you know, if they can just start at 500, you know, get a few wins under the belt, then get the ball rolling, that would be great for everybody concerned. If they get off to an awful start, it's going to get ugly. All right. Let me ask you this, Kurt. You kind of alluded to this when you were describing some of the moves the Tigers had to make. Were these moves made due to strictly due to salary concerns, or do you think there was a genuine need to reimagine uh, the Tigers' roster? I think the roster was not going to be one they could maintain. And I mean, we, mm-hmm. like I said, we saw that, and they couldn't keep Peralta. When you get you know fifty-three million dollars for four years, that, that's a lot of money. That, it wasn't going to be possible. And besides. It wasn't going to be something that you would want in the long term. The first mm-hmm. year that contract might be okay, but you know, by the end of it, I, I don't think that's going to be a contract you want, and you don't want that holding you back. Uh, same with Infante, you know. So you, you you had these guys who were getting older. 2014 might have been a World Series year. I mm-hmm. don't I don't think we can say it's not going to be a World Series year. We can say it's definitely not going to be as easy, but. You can't say, no, oh, no, they won't win the World Series now. The team is to give. You can't say that. It is impossible uh, to to say. So they, they made some of the moves they had to do to, to stretch out the, the, the window. You know, the window might have been open for 2014. Some might say 2015, but I, I would be a little cautious about that. And then what happened? You know, there wasn't a lot coming up in the, the minor leagues. They have one of the worst uh, organizations in baseball. So it, it looked like if, if they didn't, start to make some serious moves, you know, there could have been some bad times on the horizon. You know, you might be stuck with a second or third place team hoping for somebody ahead of you to fall, you know, fail if you want to make the playoffs again. And I don't think that's best for anyone. I mean, they're drawing 3 million fans a season right now. So uh, they, they had to do these moves to keep the window open uh, to allow themselves financial flexibility. And, and, you know, everyone says, well, it was about the money. Yes, it was about the money because they couldn't maintain what they were doing. They had to do something to make uh, to, to make it more affordable to, to continue to compete because, uh, like I said, the, the, the minor league system wasn't going to be able to step in and help there. So uh, it, it was about the money. It was about making this roster one in transition and, you know, probably see more moves next offseason as well. It, it, it reminds me a lot of what we saw in 2009, 2010, and then mm-hmm. 2011, 2012, 2013, 
during the playoffs, winning the division, going to the ALCS every year. So it, it we 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 can't say it's going to work out. You don't know. You can't mm-hmm. say it's not going to work out. But it seems like it was a decent plan and a plan that uh, I think we can we can get behind and hope for the best for. Bookstein, uh, I'll ask you the same question. It was salary concerns more than anything else that caused the need to make the roster changes, or was there a genuine need for the Tigers to get better defensively and add some speed? Uh, I, I wouldn't go with that latter option. I guess I, I you know, think they were doing. I guess defensively, everybody could complain and say, no, they were a seriously subpar team. But, you know, overall, offense, pitching, even with the bullpen issues, they were a pretty darn good team. So I don't think there was some driving need there to say, no, this team needs to be shaken up and retooled and, you know, reimagined and we got to do this now if we're ever getting – no, I mean, come on. They made it to the playoffs three years in a row. Why, why mess with that if, if there's not some other, you know, driving reason? And so I would say probably – the salary concerns, and I mean, goodness, we saw what happened in, in this offseason. People are getting paid ridiculous amounts of money. Can't really expect the, the team to keep up with that, I don't think. I think the salary stuff really did override everything, and because there were, as Kroks mentioned, there were some, some stupid contracts, and you could mention that some of the ex-Tigers got stupid contracts when uh, Omar Infante got $30 million over four years, and Johnny Peralta got, what, $54, 55000000 million over four years? That's a ridiculous amount of money for what these guys are likely going to be producing in two years. So, yeah, the Tigers did need to get cheaper at certain positions because, uh, as Kurt had mentioned, you need cost-controlled players to keep your payroll at a reasonable amount, and that is something the Tigers have had trouble developing, at least position player-wise, uh, on this roster. They didn't have a lot of guys coming up who would, uh, you know, say for the occasional Andy Dirks, who would be able to give you some major league production at below major league rates, and you know, and which leads you to uh, a team full of a roster full of very expensive Johnny Peraltas and Omar Infantes. So I agree with you guys. It really did have to come down to payroll more than anything else. I really do believe that the 150 mark is where Mike Ellett said, "Okay, that's it. You know, I'm shelling out a lot of cash here. I don't want you to go much over that." So it's looking like 152 million is going to be the payroll for this year. And Dave Dabrowski didn't lie. No, I didn't cut payroll. But he did have to make significant changes within that roster to keep to not to keep the payroll where it was. So it, it's a, he was in a conundrum, and he didn't have much choice as he did. It would be a really interesting study if somebody were to want to take it on, is to, is to run the, the numbers and see exactly how much their payroll would have had to be this year to keep Prince Fielder, to keep Omar Infante, to keep Johnny Peralta, and look forward to you know extending Miguel Cabrera, extending Max. Sure, so, you know, I, I can't even imagine what those numbers you're would look like. At least you know, Eric Yankees kind of money. You're probably, uh, you, right. you're right. You're probably talking a roster would be pushing 180 to 200 million. There's no way the city of Detroit, uh, even though they sell out this, uh, the Comerica Park to the tune of 3 million people a year, that's, I think that's a little too much for anybody to expect Matt Gellich to support. This market just can't do that. So, uh, well, let me ask you this. I'll start with you on this hook slide. Uh, would you have preferred the Tigers to try and keep this this core group together for at least one more run in 2014. No, uh, would you know keep Prince Fielder? I think that would. I think that's the big one right there. That's the big, big, big change in this team. Do you think that they might have been? Well, as added Doug Fister, I should say. If they had kept those two players, they would have had one more run in them mm-hmm. with that core yeah. I should say, without <laughs> making changes. Yeah, it it was frustrating exactly because they they got so close, you know, three years in a row. 
And you want to kind of reset and say, okay, one more time, just one more time, you know, let's let's see. Lightning's got to strike you eventually, right? They can't be that unlucky, you know, and they came so close. So, yeah, it would have been great to see 2014, you know, keep the exact same players. Of course, you're going to lose Peralta, you know, but let let that be the only move and let's see if they can do it again. But I don't know. I'm not, I'm not complaining. I mean, I wasn't happy with the fielder contract either. I'm glad they moved it. So, um, you know, that just sets in motion a whole chain of dominoes, and then things get uh, a little bit hairy. Well, Kurt, uh, is it was it too much to expect this team to stay in its uh, current build for one more season? Yeah, you know, they could have done it. They 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 could have they could have tried to do it. I guess yeah. you could say they could have tried to offer Peralta, you know, and Infante, you know, qualifying offers and see what happened, and and tried to keep it, you know, the band together as best they could, but. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it, it would have, it could have turned out fine, and, but who's to say? I mean, you know, Peralta was going to leave, so all they would have got was a draft pick out of that anyway, so right. they, you know, so it, yeah, I, we can say what we want to say, uh, but it probably wasn't going to happen. Well, let me ask you this. Had this core group, you think, had already run its course? Was the door closing on, uh, this group that had won three straight division titles? They can win a fourth straight division title. I, I, you know, they were they were going to win a fourth straight division title unless injuries or stuff like that cropped up. It, the 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 makeup of the team was right for winning, and the division was okay for winning. And you know, with a little bullpen healthy, they they possibly could have gone all the way. Or hey, if if Miguel Cabrera was healthy, they could have gone all the way last year. So I mean, yeah, uh, 2014, we had every reason to expect it was going to be a good year, no matter what happened. So. I think it still has the possibility to be to be a good year too. So. Yeah, well, I I, I got to ask you this, Kirk. I know you just recently wrote a column about this in the Detroit oh, News. <laughs> Somebody oh, reads what I write. Yes, yeah. I, well, I do anyway. I don't know what I wrote. <laughs> it was that do the moves of this off season make the future of this team look far brighter when you go past 2014? You might be going a word too far there. Yeah. If you catch my grip, but uh yeah, it it the it looks brighter. It they <coughs> excuse me. Uh yeah, they the the future looks better than it did. Uh there there's still room to, to for things to be done though. Uh do you agree with uh, with Kurt there, Hook Slide, that thanks to essentially clearing up about seventy million dollars worth of contract and hopefully Getting younger, say on the left side of the infield, you know, where you got a couple guys in your young twenties now, you know, things like that. Does the future of this team look better? Well, if I agreed, that would be boring. So let me try and find <laughs> a reason to disagree. <laughs> uh, yeah, why does it look brighter? I would, I would challenge that. I guess um, just for the sake of argument, why does it look brighter when we're saying that the team just got worse on paper? Um, it, it, unless you expect that it's going to magically ripen, you know, that that someone like Nick Castellanos is going to become a superstar in 2015, um, or, or that, you know, freeing up this, this um, you know, extra money in the payroll is going to, um, it, it's going to be spoken for, yeah. you know, that they have to extend Cabrera, they have to extend Scherzer. Um, so I'm not sure how, how this team gets better and the future looks brighter when we're saying they took a step backwards. Well, let, let's ask you then, what is your picture of how the, how it would have looked brighter? Well, I, I'm not the one that said that it looked brighter. <laughs> well, see, you're, you're challenging me here, but I'm saying they couldn't maintain what they were doing. It was going in the wrong direction, and it was going to go in the sure. wrong direction very quickly. 
right. agree to that, right? So by making the correction they did, the future is going to be brighter than it would have been otherwise. Not that they took a step backwards. I mean, the well, change they was made. Take, well, they took, a, they took a small step backwards. It's not like they took a big step backwards. Well, put it this way, guys. With the, I'll start with you, because did this team need to take a step backwards to start moving forward again? I, I guess I'm still stuck on the question of how, how do they get better yeah. from this point. Well, I guess the way to put it would be is that we can't say they will be better, but I think they laid the groundwork to get better because, one, they freed up all that cash, which could be then used towards Cabrera, Scherzer, other players. I would also say that they really did need to get younger. You know, because uh, a, a couple years from now, this also this very good team starts looking kind of creaky around the edges, and also the fact that well, maybe this team would start getting stagnant after another year. Uh, I, I think when it comes down to it, maybe uh, I'm thinking more hook slide. I know you brought up chemistry in the past. Maybe the chemistry in this team is starting to get stale, and they did need to do it, make a shakeup. And then when you factor that in, factor in the, the, the point that this team has the potential to do other things now, maybe that is a better way to put it. Maybe they're not they're not going to get better in 2015, but maybe the potential to get better in 2015 and 2016 is now there because of the moves they made in this offseason. It's all about the salary, I'd yeah. say. I mean, because, like I said, the only, the only way this team is going to get better, quote-unquote, is if they add some better players in the bullpen or in left field or wherever it is. So when I say it comes down to salary, what I mean is, you know, it's not like they freed up billions of dollars so that in 2015 they can go out and sign a bunch of all-stars. I mean, they, they freed up money so that they can extend those two all-stars that we already talked about. So essentially what we're saying is the team's going to look, you know, basically the same roster-wise come 2015, 2016, I think, you know. So how, how do they get better if they're not necessarily – adding better players as time goes on. Well, let me ask you, Kurt, does this team need to take a step? Is this one of those situations where you take a step back so you can start taking steps forward again? Well, yeah. And look, they're not going to resign Scherzer. I mean, I know I've said things emphatically so. before. I've, I've said emphatic things before. They're not going to trade Prince. And obviously, maybe I'm not always 100% right. But no, they're not going to They're not going to extend Scherzer. He's going to cost way, 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 hmm. way, 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 way too much. They couldn't – this is why they made the Fister trade in the first place, because they knew they couldn't keep Scherzer. They needed to bring in another young arm. It, it lines up perfectly. Scherzer's gone after 2014. Robbie Ray, who they like and who a lot of people like, maybe not every prospect watcher, but a lot of people like Robbie Ray thinks he's going to be able to step in. He's not a number two starter. He's not – you know, he's not – He's not Scherzer because there are nobody Scherzer out there. There's very few players at that ability. But but what they're doing is they're going to have Drew Smiley in the in, in the rotation. He's going to cost very little, and he's a very effective pitcher. They're going to have Robbie Ray in there. He's going to cost very little, and that's how they're going to get better. They're not going to be spending ninety million dollars trying to maintain a rotation and then build the rest of the team. They're, they've got they've got Verlander and Sanchez, two very good guys at the top. They've got a couple of guys. Who are decent to round it out, and 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 that's the plan. I don't I don't believe for a second that Scherzer is back after this year. No, because then they get worse, don't they? I mean, I'm having trouble following the logic. If if you agree that moving from Fister to Smiley in the rotation is a step down, but in a couple years that could be he could end up being a better pitcher. That's the that's the thing. He yeah. has the talent. Here, to here's be the thing: they're going to get worse because they couldn't afford to keep him anyway. So you're going to yeah. get worse either way. You have you can go. 
oh, no, now I'm worse. What do I do? Or you can plan ahead and say, okay, this is going to happen in the future. How do I mitigate it? They're trying to mitigate things that are going to be bad in the future. I guess we'll just have to uh, to agree to disagree in that. The, 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 we'll put it this way. The potential for this team to get better is now there. But right now, that's all conjecture. It really is. Because we can't say Robbie Ray is going to be a star. We can't say that Nick Castellanos is going to be uh, a rookie of the year candidate. We can't say that Justin Verlander uh, isn't going to continue to decline. There are all kinds of things out there. But at least if the cash freed up, and the fact is they're starting to get younger, and they have some cross-control at some vital positions, the Tigers now have options they, they wouldn't have had if they had kept the group together for one one or two more seasons. I guess, you know, I'll, I'll put it that way. All right. Uh, and then, again, I'll issue guns at dawn, and you guys can duel. Okay? So. <laughs> I hope you realize one from northern Michigan. Well, I'm going to issue sniper rifles. That's a long <laughs> shot. That's a I'm, really long shot. Well, it'll be, make it more interesting. <laughs> you got to play the wind and the elevation, you know. So I was not told there would be math involved. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's your birthday. That was your birthday surprise. So, all right. I uh, am the most sabermetric of the three of us, though. Yes, you are. Well, let me ask you guys this: as to kind of wrap up this uh, off-season discussion, Kurt, did the Tigers go too far, not far enough, or did they did they do just enough when it came to? retooling this roster for 2014, considering the salary constraints that they were looking at and the needs that this team did have when it came to certain positions? Well, I mean, it's not like I'm happy about it, but, yeah. uh, you know, I feel like they had to attack things. And, and I, you know, I really wish they could do more for the bullpen. But, you know, right. uh, I, I could cite uh, an article by a, a very good Tigers blog, I think the New English D. Right. By, by Neil Weinberg, and, and you know, he said he, he studied the past few years, and just because you go out and buy relievers doesn't mean they're going to be any good. So, yeah. you know, uh, I think that that that's a good study. Maybe you can find a link for it in the in, in the podcast notes. Uh, you know, and 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 he's right. So uh, I feel like they could have done more. I would have loved to see them do more, but action doesn't equal results. Well, hooks. I'll ask you the same thing. Did the Tigers do enough? Not enough. Were the moves that they were, I guess I guess we could all agree, were forced to make right. enough to uh, essentially keep this team on the right track? You know, like we said, they couldn't avoid some of those moves, I don't think. And, and they had to do it, you know, it's not like Dave Dombrowski went out and deliberately tried to, you know, take a couple steps back. Um, right. He did what he had to do. I think the one, uh, you know, black mark on the whole offseason, though, is going to be that Doug Fister trade. I think that's where you might say, you know, they went too far. Yeah. They went too far in, in, in moving some pieces and didn't get enough in return. Um, you know, and if Kurt is right that, you know, they're not going to extend Max Scherzer and hope, you know, expect Robbie Ray to fill that void. Oh, God help us. Because <laughs> yeah. now the pitching rotation has taken two steps back. Yeah. So I, I think that's going to be the one that comes back to bite them, but it's not, it's not going to kill the team. No, no, that, you're right. Because this, this team had enough pitching to survive that, so to speak, but I'm with you there. That's the, I think, the one real head scratcher of this offseason is that's all they got for Doug Fister. Unless, of course, Dombrowski outfoxes us all and he, and he, he finds the next new stud pitcher in Robbie Ray. But, uh, I've said it over and over again. I've always been of the fact that the team that gets the currently productive major league ball player wins the trade. And I'll take that almost every time over a prospect because, uh, we've seen time and time again prospects get hurt, prospects don't live up to their potential, prospects 
become average ball players, not stars. Like I said, there's a lot of question marks at that trade that I think that's the one where he might have went too far with. So I think we're all in agreement there. Well, it didn't it didn't fill any of the current needs, I don't yeah. think. At that point. So, Steve Lombardozzi doesn't fill a need. No, right? Because I mean, <laughs> Unless you need, you know, I have a guy who's you need need Italian, broken. Italian, you know, yeah. Right, right. Hey, you owe me some money there. Uh, <laughs> at that point in the season, they had, they had offloaded uh, Prince Fielder, you know, and, and Johnny Peralta and then Omar Infante. So you know the offense was taking a step back, and the bullpen was already kind of in bad shape. And you think, you know, if he could have got for Doug Fister, if he could have filled at least one of those two spots, either gotten a good, you know, middle reliever for the bullpen or a, a solid, you know, average hitter, um, you know, then it, it's a little easier to swallow. You know, and, and instead we get utility guys and a, and a prospect. And I think that didn't really help. I'm still thinking about how I felt when I saw the details of that trade, and I was angry, thinking that's the best you could do. But like I said, this this really came down to Dave Dabrowski falling in love with a hard throwing left hander. And as Tordy said in the past on this podcast, that's what we have to have our faith in. If Dave Dabrowski likes Ray that much. We have to trust him that Ray is going to be the pitcher you think he's going to be. So, all right, let's move on to a little more pleasant topic before we start wrapping up the podcast. Well, it's a really uh, quick look back at the 2013 season. It turned out that we, I think most of us thought this team was going to make the World Series. They came a couple games short, but it really, and as usual, the Tigers they were a little bit they were frustrating at times. Yes, the only and the only won the division by a game, but I think a lot of that was they kind of cruised to the finish line over the past over the last couple of weeks because uh, essentially this division was won in early September. Despite all that, it really was a fun season. But I got to ask you guys about maybe some moments that stood out that you'll always remember. So, looking back at 2013, I'll start with you, Hook Slide. Was there a moment that really pissed you off to no end that put set you over the edge into a angry rage in 2013? Mm-hmm. Um, just the you know the Prince Fielder gap on the bases and in the last game of the ALCS, that was that was the one I think that just sent me over, over yeah. the edge. You know what? You're right. When it comes down to it, it'll come down to those couple, those handful of plays in the playoffs, the the two grand slams. I think the first one is what got me. The first grand slam in game two. That's the one I think that I was you know that's where I started. And I'm a fairly mild-mannered guy. That's the one where I started blurting out obscenities. You know, what the bleep were you bleeping, bleep, bleep, <laughs> essentially. You know, and then seeing poor – and then what I mean maybe angrier was then people that were saying, well, why didn't Torrey Hunter catch that ball? And that would have been – if he had caught that ball, that would have been up there with the Willie Mays catch the 1951 World Series as one of the greatest catches ever made in the history of the planet. So when you mix it all together between – what happened, how it all went down, and the reaction after the fact. I was infuriated at the Tigers. I was infuriated at the Boston Red Sox. And I was infuriated at our fan base for the reaction of that. So, Which means I was kind of pissed at myself, too. Uh, Kurt, what was your angriest moment of 2013? That was all your fault, Al. If you, yes. had, if you had only remembered to knock on wood the right way, yes. Our luck would have been allowed. Yeah, no, and that's right. I I wasn't able to recap the last few games because I was in the middle of a move, that's and right. we all know that the Tigers do better when I recap, so it's all my fault. It's true. You made me. I didn't want to do it. I didn't ask for this, and I had to recap, and look what happened. The yes. Tigers lost. <laughs> Your fault. So, yeah, so that, that's Kurt's angriest moment. He's angry at me because I moved. My angriest <laughs> moment is probably every time I, I go on a rant at the end of the podcast. Yeah. I, 
Well, was there a moment on the field that set you off? You know, and because I know you, for the most part, you're fairly mild mannered. You try to keep an even keel as well. But there had to be a moment in 2013 where you lost it. I don't really lose it. I mean, I'm I'm like you know, we're like the you guys are manic when you lose it, and I'm more of a rocking like a baby, you know. Going to a stupor kind of thing. Yeah. So I mean. Uh, you know, I, w- I was chatting with my friend Eric of Cruz Blue LA, and he, you know, during that inning, and and I, as I was just saying, you know, this is getting worse. So no, um, I think I have to stand up and walk around. I'm going to pace a bit. I'll be right back. And then I went into the kitchen and didn't even look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, so how could I get angry? I was afraid to see what was happening. Yes. I only saw it on replay because I was, I knew bad was going to happen. And I did not want to be there for bad, and I got the hell out of Dodge. So I yeah. couldn't be that angry. That's the kind of fan I am. I'm, I'm, I'm a Frady fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to it. Uh, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm wait sorry. A okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. You got to tell us what yours was. I did. Yeah, you, you did. Yeah, yeah. would uh, the the all oh, the grand slam, the Sorry. grand slam, right. and the, right. the entire reaction of the whole. If there wasn't angry, it was the grand slam. But I wasn't angry. I was scared and then sad. Yeah, there you go. All right, uh, favorite moment. I'll start with you, Kurt. Was there a favorite moment of 2013 that stood out to you? Oh, geez, that's that's hard. Probably, probably you know the home runs in, uh, against Mariano Rivera. I found out, and I thought, you know, it didn't. It didn't result in like the game being won, but you know, Cabrera. That was just an awesome moment. You know, Mo going through the final two months of his career, and and, and Cabrera stepping up there, and you know, it being Yankee Stadium and everything. I mean, that was it was just magical, and it was supposed to be magical for Mo, but you know, tough luck. You know, it was magical for Cabrera and Tigers fans. So I re- I really enjoyed that one. Uh, I'll go with mine. Is it has to be Tory Hunter's uh, home run, walk up home run tonight. I need to salvage the the last game of that four-game series at the A's with the uh, the Tigers fan base is on the verge of insurrection that they had gotten swept in that series. I don't want to say that was a turning point because I really do believe the Tigers would have won the division anyway. It, it very much reminded me of Craig Monroe's home run in 2000, uh, I believe it was 2006 in New York, where the Tigers looked like they were going to get swept and that they came back late in that game to win it thanks to Monroe's home run. I found this to be a very summer one. It was a, it avoided a, a, a god awful sweep late in the year and kind of soothed everybody's nerves. And it really was completely unexpected. And of course, it's you know it was all Grant Balfour, so that's always a fun thing too. So, so that would be mine. How about you, Hooks? Like, there's just so many of them. I, I mean, that's a good thing, I guess. If, you, if you're yeah. saying, you know, I can only think of one really, really angry memory, but there's so many good ones, and I, I love the dramatic turnarounds. Um, of course, that game that you just mentioned comes immediately to mind. Um, I suppose if I had to measure my favorite in terms of you know emotional output, that would be the one. But I, I loved um, the walk-off home run that Johnny Peralta hit in June against the Red Sox. That was the first, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was the first time they had come back and walked off that year. That's um, right, because they had they were they had some awful weird they had some awful uh, late game. That was when they had the the late game issues were yes. bubbling to the top. You're right. Yes, everybody was saying this team cannot score after the seventh inning. Right, and and then lo and behold, that they came back to win that one. That was great. Um, another one that, that stands out um, would be the, the the major major comeback against the White Sox when they were down six runs. Was it five or six runs? Mm-hmm. And they and they battled back. I think in the ninth inning. And, and caught up and tied the game, went into extra innings, and ended up winning at that. Because that just seemed like that was, you know, that was uh, out of reach at that point. Yeah, and I'll, I'll throw one other game out there. It happened early in the year, and uh, I believe it was in April, when the Tigers made their one West Coast trip, and they beat Seattle in 14 innings. 
when Brian Pena had the greatest 14th inning ever by driving in the game-winning run in the top of the inning and then blocking the plate in the bottom of the 14th to win the game. And then Pena laying face down in the dirt, holding, you know, holding, doing the Hulk thing with his arm with the ball in his hand. And let alone, it was like 3, 3.30 in the morning Eastern time. And I, I swear I was hallucinating at some point during all that. So I would put that one kind of up there, too, just because it was such a, a weird, weird game that ended in such ridiculous fashion. I couldn't scream. <laughs> I couldn't scream because it went to 14 innings. Like I said, it was like 2.30 or 3 in the yeah. morning. And everybody was in bed, so I, I wanted to yell, but I couldn't. Yeah. All right, let's wrap up our look back at 2013 with uh, in the famous words of Football coach Denny Green. Kurt, were the Tigers who we thought they were? Yeah, they were. I mean, we we thought they were World Series contenders, and they were World Series contenders. Uh, if, if Cabrera had stayed healthy, like we all said, could could have won it all, you know. So yeah, they they were who we thought they were. Now, do you feel the same way, Hoopsley? The, the Tigers were who we thought they were. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Just like Kurt said, we we thought they were contenders. We thought. Uh, well, I, mean, I guess we thought they would get all the way and take on the trophy, and they didn't. But you know, that's that's bad luck. Yeah, they they were who we thought they were. In, in, in very many ways, they were. You know, they were a lot of ways an all or nothing team, a team that had some of the best pitching in baseball, which we saw going into the season. A team that would really have to get on the back of Miguel Cabrera, which it did very much uh, for a good deal of the season. And yeah, it's a Denny Green is a very wise man when he gets angry. Yeah, they were who we thought they were. So. All right, uh, let's well start wrapping up the podcast, but with a quick, just a quick Hall of Fame talk, because obviously the next time we podcast, it's going to be in January sometime, likely after the vote is announced, because I believe the uh, BBWA has to have the Hall of Fame vote in by the end of the year, and I, I don't think we're going to be podcasting after Christmas, God, unless Dave Dabrowski surprises us all somehow. So the vote will be announced in a few weeks. Hopefully I'll ask you, because I know how Kurt feels about this, uh, do you see any Tigers making it into the Hall of Fame this time around? I guess the question means is Jack Morris get in? Mm, sad trombone. Sorry. Think he comes up short? Yeah, I don't think any Tigers are going to make it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the thing, you know, what frustrates me, Hulk Slide, is that I think I could make a far better Hall of Fame argument for Alan Trammell and, for that matter, Lou Whitaker than I could Jack Morris. And those, obviously, Whitaker's not even on the freaking ballot because they're because the idiots at the the BBWA. And Alan Trammell is only going to get about thirty percent of the vote because they're idiots at the BBWAA. Obviously, oh god, Kurt, yes, Kurt, (laughs) what? Help! You gotta you gotta unplug Al. Somebody reboot him. (laughs) Yeah, when I'll put it this way, as as I put in the show notes, when it comes to the BBWAA and and the Hall of Fame voting, I'm like Frank Costanza during Festivus. The airing of grievances, I got a lot of problems with you people. And the (laughs) fact that Alan Trammell is an afterthought when when Ozzie Smith and Barry Larkin cruised in, that just shows just what the blowhard idiots at the BBWA don't even know what the fuck they're talking about when it comes to who should be in all. And don't even get me going, guys, on on this not putting Roger Clemens in, not putting Barry Bonds in, not putting Mark McGuire in. These are guys that would have been Hall of Famers anyway. Take PEDs out of it. So Apparently we didn't need to get you going. You can yeah. see that sign on here. This Hall of Fame crap just gets me going. And, and, and I'll add this as well. That, if you look at the votes, if you look at the votes, you would have, you would have thought that baseball didn't exist between 1980 and about in the year 2000, because none of the guys who should be in, who played the majority of their career 
uh, from about 1980 to 1995 aren't even sniffing the hall right now, and that is bullshit. Pure and simple, it's bullshit. When when this uh, podcast goes live, I'm, I'm going to edit that entire segment and just fill it with censorship bleeps. It's going to be awesome. The Hall of Fame, the writers have, have taken – it's really become a vendetta of these guys. It's like they feel they've been insulted by what happened throughout the, the quote-unquote steroids era. But unfortunately, it's sweeping up other guys who completely deserve to be in the Hall of Fame but are being lumped with a very small handful of guys who are causing all the problems. So, yeah, I will agree with you on that point. I, I think it's a little ridiculous that the Hall of Fame fate, so to speak, of these players is in the hands of writers who can hold grudges. I think that's just a little bit... Yeah. What was the point of having the Hall of Fame? Then? Yeah. For example, you know, Greg Maddox, he should be a 100% no-brainer, unanimous Hall of Famer, but you know there's going to be some idiot out there who says, no one's a first ballot guy, and I'm not going to vote for Greg Maddox. That's the kind of stupidity that that is right through the BBWAA right now. so You know, I hold grudges, too, so I'm never going to vote for Hookslide. <laughs> oh, You're not going to put Hookslide in the Hall of Fame, obviously. So. <laughs> Did I turn down an interview somewhere, or what happened? <laughs> All right. You disagree so. with me, too. <laughs> I only do that for the sake of the show. I'm this. glad that we agree on everything else, then. Yeah. <laughs> well, can we agree on this, that uh, Kurt's birthday is coming up, and we should celebrate it in some fashion. So I disagree. Oh, you disagree. You were the one that decided we should podcast because it was going to be your birthday. But, but now you're telling people I'm supposed to look humble here and be surprised by this. <laughs> and this is the way, all of the way the sausage is made. It was on Twitter a week ago. You now I look now I look like I'm I'm I'm, I'm egocentric and I wanted you all to come and serve me. Well, you don't. Okay. I... <laughs> all right, Hookslide. Should we sing Happy Birthday to Kurt? Uh, should we? Well, we might as well, so he'll, that way he'll get his ego up a little bit, and he'll feel a little bit better about things. He's, he's had a bad week, so. Yeah. Uh, Can we put, like, maybe do a, a medley of, like, you know, have yourself a merry little birthday, something to that effect? Well, that, well, I could, well the thing is, though, i got to do all that in post, and that's too much trouble for Kurt. Ah, is okay. he really worth me going in and do, finding some uh, uh Copyright free uh, Christmas music and doing that. That's for, right. You got copyright issues there. Yeah. I'm pretty well, awesome, so, I'd like to think. So yes, I am. <laughs> I am worth it. So uh, yeah, really, let's see. We can't even sing Happy Birthday because that's under copyright, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. We yeah. Can sing it backwards. So the question is, obviously, Kurt, your birthday is quite near to the Christmas, you know, um, holiday. What What do you typically do to celebrate the day? Mourn. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> no, it's well, you know, I, I, I always go to the, you know, the midnight mass service or whatever for church, and really, I mean, you, there's not much you can do. I half the time I ended up working on my birthday because you know, places are like, well, everyone should leave early, but you know, let's come in in the morning, and like, what the hell? It's my birthday, and it's next to Christmas, and I still got to freaking work. What's wrong with you? But. Yeah, so I, I've never really been a birthday person because, it, you know, Christmas eats it. So what are you going to do? Christmas yeah, eats it. I think we have the title of the podcast. <laughs> I should have gone with Christmas bites. Oh, we can use that too. <laughs> yeah, well, my uh, my oldest daughter suffers the same fate. Her birthday is actually tomorrow. Oh, so, well. So she's got the same problem. But we always try to, you know, 
keep some serious separation there and not have an actual birthday party and make it very clear that it's, you know, we're not just lumping it well, for Christmas. Well, when I was a kid, yeah, that, I mean, that's what they did. But once you, once you hit a certain age, no one gives a shit about your birthday. Well, he, unfortunately, uh, Hooks like Kurt has now tweeted that he's forcing us to sing happy birthday, so people are going to listen to this podcast and expect it. Well, you can only sing, uh, you know, a sentence of it and then say, sorry, that the rest is sentence. <laughs> yeah, well, right. yeah, it happy <laughs> birthday to... <laughs> All right, folks, are we ready to sing to Kurt? This could be a disaster, but let's do it. Well, this entire podcast has been a disaster, so what else is new? So. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, in three, two, one. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear. Dear Kurt. Are you happy with the snow? Happy <laughs> birthday to you. <laughs> oh, God, that sucks. You, you guys always you harmonize so well. I'm proud of you. <laughs> yeah, the Beach Boys <laughs> have nothing on those slides now. You're, you're Peter and Paul and Mary, whoever they were. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, the mamas and the papas, but we were just the papas. So, If we really cared about you, Kurt, we would have hired the singing hot dog man to come in and do that. Very much, uh, Mr. Hunt. Like that. I gave you the first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, you just gave us coal in our stockings at that. So, oh my good. Oh, we got to wrap up this podcast. It is now completely spun out of control, yep. which feels like a good way to end the year of the Bless You Boys podcast. It's a good way to end the hundredth podcast of, uh, yes. of, of, the his- of the history of the show. So, all right, let's wrap things up with final thoughts since we've, we're, we're kind of sung out here. We got the birthday crap out of the way. I, I, I mean, the, the, the fun birthday stuff out of the way. So uh, anything you'd like to add to the slide before we call it a year on the Bless Your Boys podcast? Oh, oh, it's enough. It's enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got any rants left in your curse to end the year? Nope. Yeah, I didn't think so. I think I've, I already got my rant out when it came to the Hall of Fame vote. So I think we should just... Uh, Call us 8-2013, and we'll, we'll see you in 2014. So we'll be podcasting sometime in January, likely after the Hall of Fame vote comes out, and if the Tigers do something. Well, like it's all up in the air right now, but we'll see you sometime in January. So happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and all that kind of stuff. We'll see you in a few weeks. So And, and, and have a happy New Year's, that matter, as well. So we'll see you in 2014. So until January 2014, this is Al Beaton saying good night, good luck. Along with Hook Slide. And happy holidays, everyone. See you next year. And Kurt Matching. Three, two, one. This is where you guys say Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Oh, happy New Year. Oh, jeez. All right, so. <laughs> I'm just going to blow this whole show up, and we'll see you next time on the Blessed Boys Podcast. All right, does anybody have to go to the bathroom? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just went. (laughs) (laughs) Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear. Dear Kurt. Are you happy with the snow? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday.
That's good advice. Thanks, big fella.